This is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. Thank you so much. Over and over again, I've said, lo, these many years we've been meeting together like this. Uh, thank you for your support. Thank you for those of you who make financial contributions to the ministry. We are a 501c3. We don't ask for money very often. We're not asking. We're just making you aware that you can do it. God continues to provide uh, every year, the board of women who manage this work called Modern Homemakers reminds me again, um, you know there's a budget, and I go, I do. And it has never been a year that it didn't end in the black. So I'm grateful for that, and thank you for those of you who participate. We have a wonderful website that's full of resources, and many of you write us, thank you. You may email me or the ministry anytime, and I assure you, you will get a personal response. Recently, we've had some questions about um, the series we did on anger. Um, I have a number of questions I sort of keep in a file, and so we're going to answer as many of them as we possibly can answer. But I want to go especially to the ones that talk about anger. And the broadest question was, what can you help me with? And because we're talking about motherhood in these next weeks, what can you help me in raising my children to not be angry? And I thought the question was a big question, but I, I, I wanted to address it very specifically. So the first thing I want to say about anger is all of the ingredients that we talked about in anger and anger management and the portions of scripture that refer to anger, the notion that anger is an emotion given to us by God, but not to be the ruler of our lives. Very simple definition that these anger management steps, which you can find as a free resource on our website, have to do with your anger. Somewhere in these next weeks, I'm going to talk about the difference between the caught it and the taught it method. We haven't talked about that in a while. I'm teaching you. I am teaching you. I'm, I'm the taught it. This is the taught it method. But those of you who listen, who have had a part of my life, whose life you have allowed me to engage in, to be um, anchored in, to be appropriately available to, I have taught you things, but I know that you have caught things from me. I know that my daughter caught many things from me. Not all of them were good things. But the caught it method is a really important part of parenting, of motherhood, because they live with you every day in every way. The, the, the one that always is always asked me, 
well, how do I teach my child not to lie? Mm. It feels like the same question. How do I teach my children about anger? And, and the first thing I want to say is make sure that all the caught it methods in your relationship about anger are good ones. Well, what does that really mean? What are you trying to say that you're sidestepping, Mrs. Otto? Well, I'm sidestepping the fact that it doesn't matter what you know about anger. It doesn't matter the things I'm going to help you understand about helping your child understand about anger. What matters the most is how you are behaving with anger. Too much anger, not enough anger, not enough authenticity, not using the emotion as God has called us to use the emotion. He never says that we are not to be angry. He says we are not to be sinful in our anger. I always fall back on a book that I don't even know when this book was published, but I'm going to say 30 or 40 years ago. Um, his writings on parenting have always been a great resource. His name is Dr. Ross, R-O-S-S, Campbell, Ross Campbell, How to Really Love Your Child, How to Really Teach Your Child, How to Really Help Your Child, with their number of how to reallys. But the first one was How to Really Love Your Child. And I, I can clearly remember the first time I read this, because what he had produced was what he called an anger ladder. An anger ladder. So helping kids handle anger. That's how I would answer your question. How do I teach my child about anger? First step, make sure yours is being handled in a godly way, your own personal. Okay? Don't worry. Don't worry if you have this odd moment that you blow off your steam and you, you say too much and do too much. It's okay. You're human. You're going to sin. It's okay. But if it's the pattern, then your caught it method is teaching them more about anger than you can ever teach them about anger, okay? The anger ladder, as Campbell puts it, has 15 steps to it. And he describes uh, the worst, the worst to the best, the worst to the best. Passive-aggressive behavior is the worst. Physical abuse is the second worst. Emotionally destructive behavior is the third Verbal abuse, destroying property, throwing objects. Now, I found that the first time, I just thought to myself, throwing objects is like five or six in the steps of the worst kind of anger. And we're two years old and we're throwing objects, right? Don't two-year-olds throw when they get mad? They, they throw it down. That's two-year-old behavior. And I remember pausing, saying to myself, oh, Two-year-old behavior being evidenced in adults. Oh! So when you talk about teaching your children about anger, this anger ladder will be a great place for you to assess where your children are currently, whatever age they are, or perhaps where you are. I'm going to read the rest of them to you, and then I think we'll put this up on our website if it's not already there. It's called the anger ladder, period. Throwing objects is where we ended, <clears throat> which is five. Expressing unrelated complaints. 
Becoming angry at someone else who is a bystander instead of the source of your anger. Hmm, that's a marital one, isn't it? Cursing, unpleasant and loud behavior, thinking logically and constructively, holding to the primary complaint, not to peripheral issues, focusing on anger, the source only, seeking resolution to the conflict, and pleasant behavior. Can you be pleasantly angry? Yes, you can. And, and it isn't fake or false. It's the, the reality that what you are fixing your anger on is this. I love his step that he says that you're focusing on the primary complaint, not a peripheral issue. You ever have an argument with your husband? A late night argument when you've been trying to talk to him about something and you have no time to talk to him. My husband and I used to have this regular reoccurring argument. And uh, he would say very, very testily, because it was always late at night, because there was no time we could have. That's a marriage class. We're going to talk about that sometime soon. Helping children handle their anger. I want to just give you six ideas. Model. Model your own calmness when you are angry about something. Use these 15 steps of <clears throat> Campbell's Ladder to rate yourself and begin to work on your own uh, expression of anger. Exit the room or the argument or the event if you feel you are about to step over the line of good anger management, just leave the space. I like to recommend to mothers who have a high anger threshold, who were raised in homes that anger was abusive, um, they model it themselves and now they're parents and they don't want to be that way with their children. I met with a woman recently um, who's, who's new in her walk of faith and she said, I, I, I'm just new to knowing about Jesus and I have so many things to learn for myself, but I, I want to teach them to my children. And we had this wonderful conversation about learning them for yourself first is exactly what you need to do. And it's okay to say to your children, Mommy's really upset right now, and I want to f figure this out. I'm just going to be back in a few minutes. It's okay. It's okay to look at your husband and call a truce. We talk about that someplace else in the ministry. Develop a feeling vocabulary. And I, I mentioned this during our series on anger. But the first time I ever went in for professional counseling, I was handed a list of feeling words, emotive words, I don't remember. There were 59 or 72 or something like that on the list. And he said, circle these words that you're comfortable with. I circled three or four words. It was. I look back on it now and I think, oh my gosh, I could just imagine what that man thought. But he was absolutely right. I had no capacity. Uh, I had no capacity to be aware of my own feelings. And certainly, I didn't have a vocabulary for it. So when Campbell says that we're thinking logically and we're not having unpleasant and loud behavior and we're staying with the primary complaint, well, that's because I understand what's going on in my own relationships and my, with myself and my own feelings. Develop a feeling vocabulary. That's a very important thing to teach a child. I feel sad. I feel 
four, create a calm down poster. <laughs> and this is particularly now we're talking about helping children handle their anger. Create a countdown poster, one that works for that child. Literally, count to 10 or 200. But literally, what would it take for your child to calm down and create something that you can hand to them so they can use it, that they can make themselves, they can use it as a developmental tool for themselves. Five, develop an awareness of early warning signs. Do you find yourself getting angry? It isn't just I'm angry. I feel it coming on. I'm in a situation. I don't like this situation. I feel anger coming on because I don't like the way people are behaving toward one another. I feel there's criticism and complaint and um, words that are not appropriate. And I have an awareness of what's going on. These are the warning signs. Do you know them? Do you teach your children to understand them? And then control strategies. Why does it seem like the older people get the more angry they become? Hmm. The older we get, the more angry we become. I'm not sure that I can say that it's just a chronological issue. My answer to that question is, it isn't necessarily the older we get. It's the older we get and have unresolved anger management and issues. If we've been angry about the same thing for a long period of time, and now we're getting older, which we do every day, it looks worse. And I have to tell you that um, homemakers used to host um, garage sales with great regularity. It was a big event. It was a big deal, and we had a lot of great garage stuff. And I'll never forget, that was such a lot of work, and gathering all the things and then setting up the space and the front place we always had in the same place. It was a corner lot. It was a lot of work. And an older man came onto the site of the garage sale. I'm guessing that he was in his mid-80s, and he was grumpy. And he picked up something, and he said something grumpy. And then it was I was drawn into the conversation, and he said, well, I, don't, I think that's too much. And I said, well, you're welcome to make an offer on it. And then he said two or, more, two or three more things. But the last thing he said was, well, I don't know who these women are, but they're not doing a very good job. Oh, okay, let me just tell you what happened to my anger button. I thought, are you kidding me? These are stay-at-home mothers. And so I said to him, sir, these are women who have given up careers to be stay-at-home mothers to watch and raise their children themselves, and they are raising money at this garage sale to pay for child care workers during the meetings of homemakers by choice, modern homemakers. He didn't care, and he said one more grumpy thing, and I looked at him very kindly, and I was very angry with his behavior toward these women. I said, I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to leave the garage sale. And the young women were watching me. Of course, I didn't realize people are watching you. You, know, your ki- you don't realize your kids are watching you until you realize your kids have watched you. And later, we had this conversation about it. And why did I do that? And I did that so well. And I thought to myself, I know what my buttons are. 
I know what you can say about certain issues that I'm not going to like. And if you repeatedly say it, I'm going to have to take some action. So I don't think it's older. I think it can be more evident in older people. And maybe that's because we expect older people to be more soft and docile. Is anger directly related to forgiveness? My answer to that would be a resounding yes. Okay, But it would be more a resounding yes, or a qualified yes, in that it's related. Anger becomes a forgiveness or a non-forgiveness issue when anger isn't dealt with in the proper way. It isn't expressed properly. It isn't resolved properly. Third question. Can anger be manifested in other ways or be revealed in other forms? Yes! <laughs> Most often it is, and it goes back to what Campbell said. We don't know what the complaint is. My complaint about the gentleman who came to the garage sale was he was disrespecting these women. And he had no reason to disrespect them in my mind, but more than that, if he did... Um, the proper way would have been to come to one of the leaders and say, you know, you women could do this a little better, blah, 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 blah. We'd probably still be angry at his concept, but he wasn't even willing to express it. So can it be manifested? Yes. If we are not, as Campbell says, aware of our feelings. Was it Campbell who said that? Or was it the... Um, no, develop an awareness of early warning signs and develop a feeling vocabulary. That's part of the anger management strategies. So if you um, find yourself manifesting exaggerated behavior over something, you might say to yourself, is this behavior about what's going on right in front of me or is it exaggerated because other areas of behavior I have not been able to resolve, have not spoken to that. And again, that, that's more often a, a relational, adult-adult relational, but it can also be with children who are unwilling to learn a lesson. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how we teach children to obey, uh, to spank or not to spank in the days ahead, because there has to be some um, resolve to your instruction and a child who doesn't want to do what he's being asked to do. And let me just say to you that every day in every way, all of us are asked to do things we don't want to do. I don't want to drive 35 miles an hour on that four-lane stretch of the highway when 55 would feel so much better and I'd get there faster. But the sign clearly says... 35. Now, what am I going to do with that as an adult? Am I going to behave with it? Am I going to do it? I'm going to be angry with it. I'm going to break the law. One more question. I, I tend to be a defensive person. Is that just anger exposed? Not a simple answer. Could be, could be anger exposed, but it could also be at the very heart of having lived a portion of your life or lived with someone in your lifetime in close proximity that has not valued you, has not seen you as a creation of God, a gift of God relationally, 
a gift of God to be used and respected. And so we can become very defensive people when we have not been respected by those around us. Well, I'm just, there are several more questions I wanted to get to, but I'm going to answer one more, even though I'm running into a too long a show here. Why is it that I feel anger when I feel judged or my character is attacked? How do I not allow this anger to sit and dwell? And I end with that question because it's a complicated one, but I think it's one that sits to the heart of all of us. Every human being, man, woman, young, old, when they are personally attacked, when they are personally attacked, they feel a sense of anger. And they should. God calls us to value one another, to respect one another, to see in one another the gift of God's creation. Now, this question is about character and the character that's being judged or attacked. That's, that's not how God calls us to behave with one another. So I have two things to say about that. Recognize it recognize it, recognize it for what it is. And then, as we've heard in anger management, decide what you're going to do if there's anything you can do about it with this person. Hmm. Let me just say to this. If you come into my life, and I haven't met you before and I don't know you, and you attack my character or pass judgment on me, we're probably not going to see each other again. I, I, I don't find any problem with that. Now, if you're my child, my sister, my mother, my lifelong friend, my father, my husband, my wife, oh, no, no, I'm not going to not see you again. I'm going to be able to express what I see you doing. Does that mean that person's going to change? Not necessarily so. But you're going to have a way to express how you feel because you're aware of your feelings, you have a place to express your feelings, and you put the onerous back on someone who's by saying, and I don't like when you behave that way toward me. Does that mean they're going to stop? Not necessarily so. And then the last step, and the last step is always for us to decide how we receive from people who are a permanent part of our life. I, I have literally heard from, talked to, read the accounts of thousands of women who have been married and in bad marital situations. And men and women have said things to each other in the sake of marriage and the privacy of marital life that are abominable. Abominable. But often we... We marry each other and we don't know who we ourselves are and who we're going to become together. And we have to go through abominable things to be better people. So if you're talking about your husband and you're newly married, hmm, I'd say get quickly to some help. If you're talking about your husband, you've been married for 45 years and it doesn't look like he's going to make a change and you've already decided to stay married... Well, you're going to have to give grace and ask God to give you grace to survive. Relationships are complicated. They're holy. They're precious. 
But the thing we always fall back on is that God gives us enough. Enough. He gives us enough of what we need every day in every way. We've just come through a session on the Sermon on the Mount where he clearly tells us that we have no need, we have no need for wanting because he is enough. And when sadness overwhelms us, when we are not treated well, when circumstances cannot be changed, and we grow into a place of acceptance, Christ gives us what we need because he is enough. And I'm Donna Otto, and this is Modern Homemakers. And these are some questions that have come across my desk recently um, on the subject of anger particularly. We look forward to your writing us and asking us. We're going to make a Q&A time more regularly this next season, and we'll look forward to answering your questions on air. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of being aware of your own feelings.